Hey everybody, little Scotty here. I'm trying out a new mic. I don't know how good this is going to sound. If it sounds rotten, I probably will change mics for the next episode. But as for right now, I want to try this one out. So bear with me. I hope it's not bad. It's a very nice, tiny little condenser mic from Samson. It fits anywhere and it clips to the top of the computer, so I can't complain. So, if you know the name of the co- of this podcast, it's What Do I Have to Do? Drive a Nail Through Your Head. Something my father said to me when uh, he was giving me driver's lessons and I had blown three yellow lights. Something I had seen him do uh, probably close to a million times. Okay, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but he did it often and... It was something that he did very well. He made those turns very fast and got through those yellow lights pretty well. Well, I was a rookie and wasn't as easy for me, but I always made it through, but barely. Um, When he was giving me this lesson, I was blowing yellow lights right and left. Uh, On the third one, he turned and looked to me after pausing for a little bit and said, What do I have to do, drive a nail through your head to get you to stop going through yellow lights? And it stuck with me for the rest of my life. I am 58 years old. My father has been gone for nine years now. And he turned into an old softy when the grandchildren came. And his Marine Corps background just kind of disappeared. And suddenly the man who spent time most of the time spanking my ass and yelling and screaming at me became this person I just didn't know. He was a big softy and the kids loved him. He was a great grandpa. So I think older people soften with age and I think it's great because maybe the stress is out of their life and they're not working and you know my dad worked hard and he was a salesman all his life. He didn't make a lot of money. We weren't poor, but we weren't, I think we weren't upper middle class by any means. We were probably lower middle class, but we made it work. My mom was great at whipping up, you know, the uh, tuna casserole with the potato chips on it. I never understood that one. And I never ate it. On those days, it was a box of cereal for me for dinner, so. Anyhow, I thought today we'd talk about something that I wrote in an article one time for the newspaper, but I think it's important. Um, I know I usually talk about what my parents say, but I think I'm going to start mixing it up and start giving some, you know, Scotty advice and see how it works for you. Um, One of the things that I have told you a couple times is I worked in the medical field for about 33 years. I did ultrasound of the heart. It's called echocardiogram. I specialized in pediatrics, so I did the babies. And uh, it wasn't a bad thing. I loved it. Love holding babies. Babies are my favorite. Um, I could sit in a recliner with my granddaughter on my chest when she was newborn and make her fall asleep and sit there for an hour. By the time she was waking up, I had to go to the bathroom so bad it was ridiculous. 
but I liked it so much I didn't want to interrupt it. So anyhow, um, I say that too much. You're gonna, I'm going to cut most of those out, but if you hear me say, anyhow, um, you know, just bear with me. So I'm going to read you some of this article. Um, like I said, been working in the medical field for a long time. I find there are a lot of people out there who have been ill-informed, pardon the pun, about the workings of medicine. So let's give you a basic rundown. Medicine is not an exact science. No matter what people say, no matter what you hear on the news, it is not an exact science. It's basically guessing and hoping you get it right. The better doctor you have, the less guesses he or she will make. I have seen some fantastic doctors over the years. One of them is my own brother. He's still my little brother, so I can harass him if I want, but he's a fantastic doctor. He's a great diagnostic doctor. That's what you want. You want someone who can pick out those things for you right away. You know, put you in the right place at the right time for the right testing and get a diagnosis and treat you. So the fact that we do not have that little machine that Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy had on the Enterprise. I'm sure it's coming, but with the FDA, you know how long it can take to approve anything. I'm sure I'll be dead by the time it happens. We'll still have to make a diagnosis on the process of elimination theory, like I just said. Be truthful with your health care provider, and this process will be a lot quicker. A lot of people think that just because they have a pain that isn't severe, that they don't have to mention it to their doctor. Um, this leads to things like massive heart attacks, usually in men who are stubborn shits, who won't tell their doctor that they're having chest pain when they walk up a flight of stairs. You know, they just assume it's because they're out of shape or you know something of that nature. Maybe they're short of breath going up a flight of stairs. That's what happened to my dad. He was short of breath when he would go up a flight of stairs at the age of 60. And eventually they realized his heart was, it was an artery blocked, almost all the way blocked. He ended up having a single vessel bypass, which they would never do today. But you can't let those little pains and aches go by. Now, of course, there are certain things, you know. I mean, we all have arthritis at this age. And, you know, you, you can't say, well, my knee aches at night when it rains. Well, so does everybody else's who has arthritis. But if you're having a pain in the abdomen and it's really bothering you, like, when you exhale or inhale or, you know, if you notice a lump anywhere, especially women, if you notice a lump in the breast, all these things have to be told to the doctor because if you get on it right away, there's a good chance you'll be cured. If you wait, guess what? Problems, big problems. So um, stop calling the phlebotomist, you know, that's the blood drawers, the ones in the hospital that draw your blood. Stop calling them vampires. It's just embarrassing. These people are there for a reason. They're there to draw your blood and test it. It is hard to believe that some of these guys, <laughs> I've seen guys in the ER, and this is something that's so funny. 
come in with a slash on their head that needs 15 stitches. And they have a towel on their head and they're holding it there and they're reading a magazine in the other hand, waiting to get into the ER. Now, it's, it's funny because as soon as the phlebotomist comes in to draw some blood to see if you know they've lost too much blood or whatever it may be, just to run a series of blood tests, they see that needle and some of them hit the floor <laughs> so fast. I don't know what it is. You know, you can have this huge gash on your head, but you're afraid of a needle. It's just the way it is sometimes. And I don't laugh, but sometimes I just wonder why a needle would scare somebody that bad. You know, does it hurt? Yeah, a little. And only for a little while. So just let them draw the blood and don't complain about it. They don't need to hear that. They hear it all day from people who have to have blood taken once a day and it's just part of their medical workup. So remember, you can't complain about these things when they're trying to help you. That's what they're doing. They're trying to help you. So remember that these people are people too, and they, you know, they have feelings just like you do. And if you don't, like, let's say, take care of them, be nice to them, then it, it just ruins their day. They, you know, they get tough skin after a while, but, you know, if you, if you just let them draw the blood, you know, it's okay to jump a little bit when they stick you with the needle. But if you say, hey, thanks for doing that, I appreciate it, maybe it'll help me get well, you'll make their day. You really will. So remember that. And one other thing, or several other things, if your doctor won't spend time with you and explain why the exams and reasons for them, get a new doctor. I always tell people that doctors are like mechanics. There are good ones and there are bad ones. The bad ones are the ones who spend five minutes with you in the room. They get basically a quick diagnosis in their head. They write you a prescription and they're on to the next patients. Unfortunately, there's a lot of problems in medicine right now with doctors getting paid what they're worth. So they have to see a lot of patients. I don't think it's right. And I think a doctor who, you know, is willing to spend a little time and listen, even if it's only 10 minutes or 15 minutes, that's the doctor you want. That's the doctor who's going to help you. So remember that those doctors are the ones that you'll enjoy having and you'll go to for years and years and years because they spend time explaining things to you and that's what you want. It's a part of medicine. It is a job to make sure you know what's going on. It is your body, not theirs. You always have the right to refuse any test or procedure at any time. I can't emphasize this. That was not a word. I can't say this strong enough for everybody. If somebody wants to order a test on you that is going to be very invasive and very just painful, ask if you can maybe do some other kind of test or is this really that necessary? You know, do we have to do this? Because sometimes a doctor is grasping for whatever diagnosis they have. If they know that you're really against a test, they won't do it. Hopefully. 
good doctors don't just throw out test after test after test just to get a diagnosis. If they don't know the diagnosis after the first couple of tests, then they're probably not the doctor you want. So, okay, the next complaint I have, and one that you'll probably recognize, is Welcome to America! Insert foreign doctor's name here. Now please learn the language so we can all understand you. That's my Indian accent, which is something I have very well because I worked with so many Indian doctors and so many Pakistani doctors and from everywhere in the world. And nothing bothered me more than not being able to understand them because they just stepped foot in this country and they didn't bother to learn the language or learn how to speak it properly in, in our, you know, tones and our accent. And it's frustrating. You know, you're trying to get, you know, what the patient needs and what it needs, what they need to be done. And here's a doctor that I can't understand because he or she didn't take the time to really learn the language. So it has always bothered me. I just, it's maybe not that big of a deal for most people, but for me, it was a big deal. And I used to get very frustrated with the doctors who would do this, you know, just walk in and start talking and nobody understands what the hell is going on. One other thing, as a worker, I got to tell you, I know you're sick, okay? And it sucks to be sick. You're not in the best mood. You don't feel good. Maybe you're having pain. I understand. I really do. Do not take it out on me because you're having a real bad day, okay? It, it's just not fair to me as a worker. It's not fair to the people in the hospital who are trying to make you well while you're complaining and bitching and moaning about every little thing that happens to you. You know, we all know you're sick and you don't feel well, but please remember, there's a lot of people working for you trying to get you better and that's what they're doing they're trying to get you better but you're complaining the whole time and it's very hard to maintain a good attitude towards a patient when they're mean and they're nasty and they're always complaining about something it's just unfortunately it's one of those things that you see a lot of and I would try to tell people sometimes hey you know I know you're hurt and I know you don't feel good but Please don't take it out on me. I don't deserve that. And most of the time they would say, you know, I didn't even realize I was doing that. I'm sorry. You know, and it would be great. But occasionally you get that person saying, you know, hey, I'll say anything I want. You know, and then I would be thinking about my old bouncer days and wanted to throw them through, you know, the front door of the hospital. Of course, I never did. Okay, here's one other thing that has bothered me for years. If you're not paying for your health care, if you're on Medicaid or Medicare, it's one of those things that you should be happy about. You are getting your health care paid for by the government. Now, some of these people who come in and they are basically being made better by my tax dollars and your tax dollars and all the things that we do to 
give our money to the government, please be grateful that you're getting health care. You're not paying for it. You're going to walk out of the hospital and you're not going to see a bill. And even if you do, you're probably not going to pay for it. So remember that it's just something that you should be happy that you're getting. And people who are appreciative of their health care, you know, they say things like please and thank you. And they're polite and they should be polite because... Anytime someone gives me something for free, I am so ecstatic that they did that. I have a great friend. Um, his name is Bob. Bob is a fantastic kind of computer guy. He sometimes gives me his throwaway computers, and I learn more from those computers than you'd ever believe. You know, I take them apart, I replace drives, I do all this stuff that has made me learn to be a better computer guy. Also, my brother Keith, who is the doctor, he is an audio freak. He loves great audio and plays some of the most fantastic music in his office, and the sound is, it's just unreal. It sounds like you are in the hall or in the recording studio with the artist. It's that good. He will give me his speakers when he needs a new pair, and he needs a new pair every couple of years. He finds some place in Germany who makes the best speakers ever. And that's what he orders. That's his vice. That's what he does. You know, some doctors, it's big houses or extra houses or something like that. For my brother Keith, it's audio. <laughs> and Keith will give me those speakers sometimes, and I'm jumping up and down about it. I've got two speakers on my computer that are probably worth $600. And there's no way I would pay that much for computer speakers, but the sound that comes out of them is incredible. You know, I can I can actually play, you know, music from iTunes through my computer and it sounds fantastic. So those kind of things, you know, I get them for free and I'm so appreciative of it. And I think that if you're getting healthcare for free, you should do the same. You should be really happy about it. So it's just one of those sticklers that most people who work in hospitals, they, they think about, you know, hey, we're paying your health care. Can you at least be nice to us? It's just politeness. It's something hopefully you were taught when you were a kid. Um, if you weren't, try to learn some of it. It would be really helpful to your cause. Okay, let's go on to the next one. All right, let's say that you're at home and you're having some pain on the right lower side of your abdomen. One of the signs of appendicitis. You know, most people will have their appendix out by the time they're 25. Some people, though, wait. And at 45 or 50, they end up having their appendix out. Um, if you wait too long to go to the hospital when you have pain in your right lower quadrant, which is what they call the right side of the belly, you will have a burst appendix and you're going to spend a little extra time in the hospital so they can clean up that big infection that you have roaming around your abdomen now. So please try to think of things that you want to do. And one of those things is getting your ass to the hospital. 
Now, you need your appendix out, you can go to your local hospital. It's okay. They can handle appendicitis. They can handle that kind of surgery. You know, you'll come out, you'll do fine. But let's say you have a diagnosis of ovarian cancer or maybe the diagnosis is a brain tumor or something like that. Do not go to your local hospital because it's convenient. You need to go to a big city hospital with doctors that teach other doctors so that you can learn, or that, I'm sorry, so that you can have the best care possible. And they will go over everything with you. If they need you to do surgery on your brain, they will tell you exactly how they're going to do it. And they will do it better than anybody will. I've had my knees replaced. Not a fun surgery, especially when you have it. <laughs> I've had it four times, five times actually. Let's just say there was complications. So I went through it more often than people should ever go through it. But I had the first ones done at the local hospital here. And that's why I had complications. So then I ended up downtown Chicago at one of the biggest hospitals called Rushbra St. Luke's. And I got one of the best knee replacement guys there was in the Chicago area. And he did the knee replacement that had fallen apart because the other guy didn't really know what he was doing. And he put it together and now it's stable and it's, you know, it's still painful here and there, but it's, it's pretty good. It's, you know, it's a good job. If I had gone to him first, I think that there wouldn't have been any problems. But fortunately, I didn't do that. I didn't stick to my own guns and say, let's go to a big hospital. I was more interested in making sure it was convenient for my wife to come up and visit me than it was for me to just have the work done at one of the bigger hospitals. So remember, big problem, big hospital. Little problem, little hospital. That's all you need to remember. Now I saved the best for last because I think it's probably the most important thing you'll ever know in the way of hospitals. Nine times out of ten, it is not the physician who saves your life in a critical situation. It is the nurse who is working with the doctor who does that. They're the one who starts CPR on you when you crash. They're the ones who make the calls to get you to come to the room and help. They're the ones who actually run the code and make sure that you get all the right medications to try to start your heart again. And it's also sometimes something even smaller, like when they're, they're washing you up because you can't wash yourself because of the pain in your abdomen. And this, this nurse feels a lump right over your liver. Something maybe you didn't notice because now they're putting pressure on it and then they start palpitating your liver and all of a sudden, wow, there's a lump there. Doctor so-and-so hasn't found it yet, so the nurse ends up telling the doctor there's a lump on his liver. Doctor comes in, feels the lump, orders a CAT scan or an MRI, and sure enough, you got a tumor in your liver. That's the nurse who saved your life, not the doctor, okay? So your nurses should be treated like 
gods almost because they are the ones who will save your life, not the doctor. It is the nurses who do it. If you watch nurses in an ER, when a patient comes in, they get things rolling. They're the ones who get things moving rather quickly. I have a son who's an ER nurse. He specializes in pediatrics. When someone comes in, he's moving at high speed. And if he sees a resident standing around not doing anything, he'll yell at him like you wouldn't believe just to get his ass over there and help him with the problem they're having. He's not afraid because he's very good at what he does. And he's able to tell these doctors, no, you're doing the wrong thing. We have to do this. It's protocol. It's the first thing we do. He does it, and the reason why he does it is because he doesn't want to lose the patient, and he's not going to take any shit from a doctor who isn't even involved yet in the procedure. So remember, these doctors are great, but the nurses are the ones who will save your life, or the technician who finds the problem on you. You know, I wouldn't say that I saved thousands of lives, but I saved probably hundreds of lives with finding and diagnosing a congenital heart defect on a kid and telling that to the doctor and the doctor looking at the films that I put together or the video back when I did this and then the digital images. And all of a sudden it's like, oh boy, we got to do something right away. And, you know, the kids in the cath lab or the kids in open heart surgery. And it's, you know, sometimes because I got there fast enough to do the study. And all of a sudden, before the kid crashed, they were in the right place at the right time so that they can get their problem at least temporarily fixed or fixed completely in surgery. I didn't do that every time, but I just want to tell you that People do that in the hospitals all the time. It's what they get paid to do, and they're all good at it. Well, not all. Most of them are good at it. And it's just frustrating when a nurse is the one who really saves your life and gets no credit for it. You know, say thank you to the nurse when they find something. And then they, they call the doctor. The doctor comes in and says, yeah, there's something there. It's not the doctor you should thank. It's the nurse who found it. And that's me on my high horse. Because I watch so many people rant and rave about how great their doctor was for finding this problem when it was actually the nurse who found the problem or it was me who found the problem. So just remember, it's the support staff a lot of times that finds your problem. Don't forget to thank them. They really deserve it. So let's finish this up. Again, little problem, little hospital. Big problem, big hospital. All right? Say please and thank you. Those people are there to help you. Try not to be afraid of big needles, okay? They're not that big, actually, okay? Just relax. It'll hurt for a second, and then you'll be fine. They give you a Band-Aid, and sometimes it's a Scooby-Doo, and, you know, it's a really cool band-aid sometimes and remember to treat everybody in the hospital with respect and if you're there because you have a problem and you're not paying for anything that's more reason for you to be nice to everybody 
because everybody is paying for your health care at that point. I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. This is something I've wanted to do for a while. I want to change things up a little bit and just kind of start putting my personality into these podcasts. And maybe I won't always tell a story about my parents because, you know, I don't want to crash on them all the time. So this one was for all you people out there who really don't know much about medicine. And I was hoping that maybe enlighten you a little bit and we're about at a half an hour and that's usually where I like to stop so I want to tell everybody uh, I really appreciate everybody listening I've got a thing from uh, Apple saying that I've got quite a few listeners and I'm very very thankful for that and I hope that you'll keep listening download the show enjoy it and I'm going to try to make these funnier and funnier as we go So anyhow, have a good day. We'll talk to you later. Bye.